Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Hello and welcome to the Overdue Podcast, Episode 12. Today we are recording at the Downtown Education Center, or DTEC. I'm Kelly, and with me today are my fellow Madison College librarians, Mark. Hello. And the other Mark. Hello. (laughs) And Dana. Hi. Our special guest today is Madison College retiring downtown librarian, Deb Diller. Hello. Welcome, Deb. We'll talk to Deb about her career as a librarian, her time at Madison College, and more importantly, her travel plans. We'll also have trivial observations with Mark, uh, Waiting in Westeros with Kelly and Dana, and our Anything Goes recommendations. Um, Mark, why don't you start, start us off on Deconstructing Deb? All right, our first segment is entitled Deconstructing Deb. And we'd like to find out a little bit about Deb. What we're going to do is give her brief talking points, and uh, Deb is entitled to 30 (laughs) seconds to a minute uh, to reply however she'd like to that, uh, reminisce. If she goes over a little bit, no problem. (laughs) And, uh, of course, if Deb is not interested in talking about whatever talking point it is, uh, she's welcome to say pass. So we'll start with Dana. My first one is Virginia Bryan. Uh, my colleague joined me, I want to say, year 10. Um, British. Really, We had a ton of fun. She retired a number of years ago. Has been enjoying retirement. She just messaged me right before we came up here. We're getting ready to do lunch, so oh, it was nice. lovely to have her here. Um, we worried. I was on her hiring committee, and we um, joked about, or not with Virginia, but we were hiring that it would be two uh, women of a certain kind of age. Um, she's younger than me, but still. Um, and yet, Virginia was really good. She had skills that I did not. She had a great deal of languages, and so we were. It was a nice fit. Very good. Really great. a lot of fun. Yeah, I miss her. Oh, and it is my turn. Sorry. Oh, your favorite books. I guess it would be like asking a mother their favorite child. I actually don't ever, um, I've never responded well to that because it's only ever what of of the moment. Right. Um, I have way too many to name. I have a lot of them that I can't give up. I consider them great comfort emotionally. Uh, And when I moved, when my husband and I moved from Illinois and he thought I would never get rid of books, and I had, I actually did sell some at our garage sale. And I and he was so impressed, but we still moved forty-two boxes of books. Oh my God. So I really am not really, and I've only added two of them since. But I mean, I'm not a hoarder, but I do, and I do have uh, phases. And I, there's lots of things, I, topics, or categories of books I like. I love books on creativity. I like a lot of what people might consider inspirational books. So, okay. but then I have classics. So any, and I'm right now I'm in a YA book club, so I basically get those every month. So okay. I have all sorts of fun things. Great. Your experience. Then I was a public library director for a small town and, and, and for eight years, and it was a hoot of fun, um, a lot, a huge amount of fun. Because my first job, I'd actually been a consultant for a library system, and I toured and visited annually 76 of the member public libraries, and they treated me like royalty because I was often the only one that would come <laughs> to visit them. And so, and I was always interested, and because I was trying to promote the service I was working for then, um, which was Librarian for the Blind and Handicapped. 
that, but the truth was I learned everything about all these different public libraries and how they did this and how they did that. So it was great fun years later when I was director of a public library and I had my own, if you will, dollhouse to play with. And so I could now take all these really cool things that have been done that I had learned about in all these other public libraries and I could implement it my own. Um, and we had, it was a lot of fun. When I left um, and moved, uh, we were in the process of hiring the architects to build a new building, to build a new library. We had finally gotten it, we'd gotten it that far. And they built it two years after I left. Okay. So they continued on. So it was great fun. And again, where was that? <clears throat> this was in um, Morrison, Illinois. I didn't live in the town, um, but basically it was 15 miles away. And that's actually a really good thing to not have to live in your community because you're never, that's one of the things I will say that's, it's a lot of fun, but it's all consuming. Um, and Virginia and I shared that, Virginia Ryan, my colleague, um, she had also come from uh, being a retired um, public library librarian. And you're never off. You're always having to constantly be thinking about it. So it's really nice to not incur, you know, to go to the grocery store and not run into all your patrons <laughs> and, and do this or that because all the kids know you, everybody knows you. So, so it's a lot of fun, but a lot of, I consider it a lot of work, sure. um, but great, really fun. I highly recommend it if you want to be a, a librarian. I think public libraries are great. Cool. All right. Ethel M. Candy. Yes, what about it? I love it. <laughs> I have no idea what it I don't is. Ethel M. Candy is actually um, the, if you will, the premier chocolate for M&M's. Okay, so the M&M family of candies, or the, the candy company, um, <clears throat> that their mother was named Ethel. Oh, and so okay. that's their premier line of chocolates that basically it's made in the kind of thing that's fresh and you have to eat it within two weeks. And the factory is in Las Vegas. That's where they're at. Oh. And they have, and that's where they... That's where literally the whole, if you will, the dynasty kind of like springs from. And Ethel M is, and, and at one point they were trying to expand. I want to say maybe 10 years ago they were trying to expand and try to, so they, what they called Ethel M chocolate lounges. And they had one down in Naperville in Illinois. And they, you would go in and have your chocolate experience. And you would nice. have your cocos or your different stuff. But obviously it just really wasn't going to go. I mean, it was truly about ladies who lunch or have tea. So, and it just didn't work. <laughs> you know, it would be great for a little bit, but it was really, but, and so they really retrenched. They also tried to do the whole different kind of chocolates, cocktail chocolates, but they've retrenched back to what I consider their classics. They're really great stuff. I was just there. I go every year when I go to Vegas. Right. Um, and they have a botanical garden because the person that, uh, Mr. Ethel, you know, Mr. Uh, I can't remember his official name. He lived over the factory. His apartment was there. And he actually loved environment stuff. And so he put the botanical garden in for himself. And then it became this huge, big thing. It's one of the largest ones in Nevada. And it's got, for all the ones in Nevada, there's the whole seasonal thing. It's absolutely fabulous. I've gone and visited every year for like 20-some years. But his, his candy line is there. They actually make it there. And they also do like the Dove chocolates. Every year when I go in October, they're then packaging up the Dove hearts for Valentine's Day because they have right. to go that far ahead. But they have their own line of chocolates. They also do liquors too, like little rum barrels and different things because, but you have to buy those in Vegas. You cannot ship that. Wisconsin is one of the states you can't ship that to. But they used to have a candy bar called Forever Yours, which was a nougat. It was a dark chocolate nougat with a caramel on top. It was a malt. I knew the candy oh, wow. bar well when they told me, Deb, we're going to come back out with this. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and also the original Mars bars, oh, the yeah. original ones with the nougat stuff too. That was also in there vault if you will they've also re-brought those back out so it's kind of nice. like the old timers so yes and i've already ordered those as well oh, I, I buy from them i get a ship from them so i love them that's been our longest, and you can longest buy them, answer here and, yes, and i'm sorry and you can buy them and you can buy them at the airport so if you're ever in vegas at the airport there's at least one or more um um flm candy shops at the airport that you can always get 
So, yes, I highly recommend it. Yeah. And you can also buy little slot machines with candy coins in them, too. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. Anyway. All right, next one, Appalachian Trail. And so then after my husband passed away, I went and went on a, a Road Scholar trip, which is, and that's R-O-A-D, not Road Scholar, <laughs> the brilliant people. Oh, um, and so I went on a Road Scholar trip out to the very east coast of Pennsylvania, so the Delaware Water Gap, and did some hiking on the Appalachian Trail. That was part of that trip. Um, so it was really a lot of fun. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go and, no, my knees and everything, too, <laughs> even though I will tell you what it did was training for that trip actually, like a lot of things, brought me in search of places to train for it because I needed to do elevation. And that's when I was like, well, how did I not know about the Ice Age Trail, which is right here in my backyard? And so then I got really involved with the Ice Age Trail group and so, you know, and <clears throat> did a number of things with them and I still remember with that. So, and I won't say that the walking the Ice Age Trail hasn't actually been part of my, that's in the back of my mind. At one point I was thinking I'd do it when I was 70, but I don't know that my arthritic knees are going to agree. But there's always, I can always train for it. So. And, it's, and it's we have about nice 600 read miles. Them. Read the book. Yes. Well, she just, there actually, lady just did the thousand miler. She just actually came up oh. with her book. She's the one that likes to do it, though. She races the trail. Oh, oh the, oh. the recent book? Yeah. The thousand yeah. miler? Okay. Yeah, she just, but she likes to race the trail. She's right. actually a runner. She, and she had done that. We knew that she was trying to do the speed record when she did it. Like I said, I'm in the group. So I'm in the Dane County chapter. And she, so I. She's actually know. speaking at the book festival. I know she so, is. Yeah. All right. I saw that. I mean, she had, of course, because she had said she was a writer. What's her name? Some stuff. McManus. Yes, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. That sounds right. All right, I guess I'm next. And tell us about eggplant parmesan. One of the best whole grain <laughs> foods you can eat out there. It's just like, so that's, I'm just like crazed for it. I love it. Between Rouse marinara sauce, it's like super easy and you don't have to fry it because I don't do any, I don't eat grains, so you don't want to bread it or anything too. So you just, slice so you it make up. it yourself or do you? Oh, yes, I'll make it myself okay. all the time. Are you kidding Is there me? a, the a restaurant that you particularly like their eggplant parmesan? No, oh, I can't okay. imagine that there is. I haven't oh. tried to search one out. I can't imagine that I would want to eat it at a restaurant because normally in a restaurant, don't they bread the eggplant? They do, or do but something? I have to say Lombardino's has a good. I'm not saying I couldn't, but yeah. I have to be, I'm really... It's breaded, but it's not like um, super breaded. It's just lightly breaded. I don't breaded. eat any grain. Oh, okay. So there's, that means no wheat, no oats, oh, okay. no nothing. I wouldn't eat any, so I don't eat anything that's breaded. Okay. So no, and it's, why would I even want to? It's like, mine is so fabulous. It was, it's all so nice. good. So and in fact, I'm actually getting ready to make eggplant boats. That's actually, I've become, I'm obsessed with eggplant. Okay. Um, so I eat it all the time, because you can, I mean, like seriously, like three or four times a week, and even then I'll be like, I don't have any eggplant. I've got to go get some. So I'm just crazy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think my mother would just be like, you know, she, she passed away in February, but if she would just be shaking her head, because she did not ever cook with eggplant or eat eggplant. I think she'd think, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Well, she had a restaurant, right? Your yeah. So that's, I mean, I, I'm a total food. foodie. Yeah. Right. That, that food is our lives. Are right. you kidding me? Yeah. And, did she and, cook or? Oh, well, yeah. She cooked, but she never did eggplant. Never eggplant. No. Right on. This, I mean, I'd say she didn't, she loved vegetables, but forget eggplant. She yeah, would not right. have been interested. Hmm. And back then, and also then too, you would have tried to, and even what I did before, you would do it. In, but truthfully, it's just so easy. This is just, a, you know, you just slice it up and put olive oil on it and bake it. In other words, you have to pre-bake it. You bake the whole thing, soften it all up, and then you literally create like little lasagna, you know, egg, you know, you okay. little eggplant stacks with, you know, it's a, it's a great excuse to eat cheese. What can I tell you? <laughs> cheese yeah. and, and a fabulous marinara sauce. You it's a great excuse. Yes, yeah. it's, it's just a platform for cheese. All right. Brilliant. You know, 
Okay. Sorry. Apparently, the focus of this should have been a plant uh, <laughs> and chocolate. <laughs> oh, honestly, I'm a total yeah, right. booty. <laughs> <laughs> Good books. Yeah, right. MATC's Human Services Pro. It's one of our mainstays. It's always been um, downtown's mm-hmm. thing because it's always been here. And so you've done a lot of work with it. Well, it, they they that particular program has assignments that are information based. So therefore. The library is crucial to that, um, and and the librarian would be crucial to that. So yeah, so we work a lot with that. I mean, I think that's can be true with whatever program if it's information based assignments. I mean, if they, you know, the art students basically, unless they have to come get some perspective thing or a drawing or something, you know, the idea to go do a charcoal, they're not going to come in and ask me about it. Um, I mean, we have books on resources on techniques or some things on equipment, but when it comes to human services, that program is. Their assignments and their types of papers they have to do and the kinds of things that they're asked to do is very much resource-based, and it's not um, your typical resources. It's actually specialized resources. So things like they need to be very aware of their city's websites, their county websites. They need to know where the human services resources are. It's really a lot of fun from a library standpoint, I think, because you get to do a lot of stuff with them. And they're not typically the student that's drawn to that field is also not a typical college kind of student. So this is not somebody who has been out there doing their English papers and knows how to do research or any of that kind of stuff. So it's really a, it's a great empowering experience for them. And plus they get to do APA and I love APA. So. Creativity. Okay, what about it? Right. What about, what about it? it? <laughs> my favorite. It's one of my favorite subjects and actually I have a whole, I have a whole huge amount of books on that because I do a lot of like to do a lot of reading on it. I'm fascinated by the concept of it. Yeah. So, um, and I consider that that's one of the challenges of being a librarian, is because um, we don't get to create the same way in the traditional form. We don't get to produce or make things. It's a it's a very nebulous kind of um, service that we do or kind of program we do. So, as a librarian, I mean, you can you can really. Philosophically, you can actually turn it into that if you want mm-hmm. to, and certainly you know I have. Um, but and that's actually one of the things that I, I think it's really difficult sometimes for librarians to actually feed that part of their soul that maybe wants to be yeah. creative um, and find ways to do that. Clearly, you, your team has done that by being little mis, you know podcast people um, because then you get to create. But right. I mean, it is that kind of thing. So, but actually, I'm fascinated by the concept of it. I have a whole lot of books on it or ways to stuff to do. I have a lot of plans for when I retire, when I get to do stuff like that. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Who's, who's, a, who's opposed right. to that? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, that's great. Okay. Next talking point, casinos. <laughs> Bane of my existence. Oh my gosh. Right now. Casinos, casinos. Where are you getting all of these? No. Um, yeah. They're the good and the bad and they're, they're an interesting. I mean, seriously, I can turn anything into a philosophical thing because I think they're just a really interesting microcosm of life mm-hmm. and of people and you see what's there and when I, I actually um, my stepfather who is totally not a gambler and my t- parents are totally you know there's not anywhere into this but I had taken them one time when we went up to the Dells and I don't know we were just touring, cruising around we took them to the casino to see what it was like um, that was before I mean Ho-Chunk is all torn up right now but basically we took him to the casino and they were just like I don't get it and then and then my mo- my father's passed away and since then, my stepfather has said, you know, I used, to, I just used to think it was so that people were just sitting in there. They didn't think, he says, but I can really see if they don't have stuff to do or if they're trying to. I mean, so I don't know what, sorry, whether somebody's wasting time or killing time watching TV 
or they're playing a video game or they're doing it's really a fast it's a kind of a fascinating microcosm mm-hmm. and that's why we have confessions of a slot machine queen yeah. you know in our in our wisconsin authors collection i bought that years ago which i found fascinating if you read it from the uw professor that was addicted to slot machines mm. um and casino gambling so that's really kind of fascinating but my husband and i used to go to vegas i mean he took me to vegas years and years and years ago um, for the first time, and that was, and of course, uh, as far as I was raised, that was a den of iniquity. You know, I mean, everyone in a bar when I was in high school. You know, my mother would have had a fit, and so the idea that I'm going to Vegas, oh my gosh, you know. But and we, but we hardly ever gambled. We, he would like to play poker, but it was really not that much. But so, but that's actually been part of the. I mean, Vegas can be anything you want it to be. The casinos right. are a whole different thing. And any time I go to the casino and I don't come back wealthy, if I don't come back ahead of the game, then I always just say, well. We are keeping. It's like I'm feeding the economy. It's like my friends when they're right. when they're shopping. I'm like, well, somebody has to help the economy. Clearly, all these people have to be in business. And I think the casino worker at Ho Chunk told me when I said, "How is that going with the renovation?" Because I don't know if you know, they're in the midst of a huge, big remodel. And he said, "Oh, Deb, it's all been paid for. This has all been paid for." <laughs> of course, of course I'm it like, has. oh my gosh, because yeah, they yeah, right. yeah, because you don't. As my husband would say, they didn't build Vegas because we all win. So. It's built by the losers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not because we win. So, yeah. Thank you. It's a total vice. All right. So, I guess I have the next one. Outlander. The show is quite, you know, it's not really, certain episodes have been great. Certainly the people that are producing it have done certain things to honor what we would consider the book series. Um, but they have really kind of dropped the ball. Uh, and it has to do with the writing. It's all about sure. the writing and how that's been coming out. The production values have been fine. And the acting has been what it needed to be um, and everything. So that's, I mean, actually, okay, it's really about the writing. And it's really been not really great um, in terms of what they've been doing. But I, I think compared to the Martin people, they haven't departed nearly as severely. <laughs> so they're sticking right. with it. And But the really fascinating thing, though, the reason I said philosophically I was discussing it with her was because I'm still subscribing to Stars in support of it because okay. I want to see it, but in support of it, and I'll probably buy it. And the reason is we still all are supporting it because the fan base for Outlander book series is so incredibly, you know, we're so incredibly loyal and we're so incredibly invested that it even extends to the periphery. Even if it's not great, we still don't want it yeah. to be tainted by That's still not game, being successful. Yeah. Yes, because yeah. it's just like we just don't want that to go. That's what I'm saying in terms of. Yeah. So it's interesting philosophically how we're even willing to embrace less, <laughs> by far less than stellar, yeah. um, or things that we don't really agree with. Um, and Diana's still living, thank God, and because she, she needs to get those two books cranked out. I know George is trying to. You know, finish up his and their friends, right? They're oh, they go to lunch and <laughs> supposedly have dinner and everything and discuss all the things. Because of course, he got his book done first on TV, but then of course, you know, she got and and you know, so they yes, definitely go and commiserate how they're doing and sure. how many episodes each of them got and uh, kind of thing. And they're different books. <laughs> Get things. back to work. She just went though. She was just out at the Library of Congress's book fair, which I would have loved to have gone because she just had a new release. They she, they just um, did the edition of her novellas and also one of her. Um, kind of like books that's out of the line. I mean, basically, what are they saying now? Five million words or something the woman's done. You have to actually be in the right... Not everybody can read her, and you have to actually be in the right mental state to willing to step into that world, just what I would imagine with Game of Thrones, so that you can live over there because it's just so large and it's so encompassing. Um, it's still American history now. I mean, we live in Scotland and book four, and we're in America, but, but it's just still so dense that you have to be willing to kind of step off the cliff and then kind of like 
be in there for a while and then come back out to what I call real world. Uh, to it. But I have very fond memories of it because I bought that book. Said, oh, no, it's book two. And I've got to get the first one. And so I ordered up the first one. And then I usually read everything that was a new author. And I read that first so I could re- recommend it to my patrons. And I took the books home. And that would be about, the first book was about 750, 700 pages. So it was about 1,500 pages by the time you're, the two books. Labor Day weekend. And I came up for air on Sunday morning, having read Fennifin finished, and said to my husband, oh, we have to go take a walk. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't hardly believe this book, these two books I've just read. And then I was gave him all sorts of grief because he wasn't talking in a Scottish accent because I really wanted him to. And then, but at, and from from there on, it was you know great. But I did not stay with the series. It was only when it was going to come back that I was like plowed back in yeah. because I got disappointed by book four. But my favorite book is book five, actually. I read, I actually read book one while I was traveling in Scotland. So oh, did you? Oh, how fun! Nice. It, was, it was great. Yes, that would be very fun. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to. That next part of yeah. Okay. The 2017 solar eclipse. Yes. What about it? It was worth it. It was worth it. I wished I wouldn't have cared about seeing it because it was quite the ordeal to get there, quite the ordeal to endure it, and then of course quite the ordeal when the big old storm cloud came over literally 30 seconds or a minute before our totality, and then even though I was at a location that had the longest totality in the United States. We needed every second of it because it only moved across for the last ten seconds. So I got ten ah, seconds. I got Carbondale. Yeah, I got I got ten seconds of um, uh, totality total. But I was near people that were taking pictures. The guy had come in from Puerto Rico to take pictures. Um, a guy had driven down that morning. He had flown in from New York and he had driven. He had rented a car wow. at O'Hare and had driven down, rented this lenses and stuff. He was there to take pictures. They got ten seconds of totality. I was not attempting to take pictures. I just wanted to experience yeah. the will darkness because I had already known that we had a chance that it might be that it might be cloudy, it might rain, it might do whatever. And I also was trying to weigh the, is it going to be worth it to travel this far and do all this? And, and at that point, when I was even thinking that and trying to ask off and seeing if Mark was going to work, I didn't, I didn't know I was going to break my arm. And so I actually did it all, driving it all one-handed because I had a cast. Oh, and it was 97 degrees on the field. It was so incredibly hot. That's dedication. Yeah. No, it was craziness. But, it, <laughs> I, but I still wanted to be there, and I was still really happy to be there. And then seriously, you see the things on the news about people trying to escape a hurricane or the apocalypse that's what the traffic was like to get home because it took me over seven hours I, it took me four and a half hours to drive down from my home in illinois down to carbondale it took me seven hours to drive wow. I, I actually spent 11 and a half hours in the car that day driving oh, gosh. just and i had already stayed overnight in illinois i had driven three hours the day before wow. too it's 11 hours driving that day 11 and a half hours one-handed it was a, i would never been in traffic like that in my entire life wow. but it was still worth it i was still i would do it again and we all made plans to be back there in 2024 because they're going to have <laughs> they're going to have a, even twice as long of equips right in 2024 all right so hopefully we'll get in shape and go thumbs. <laughs> all right yeah quit these are not 30 second answers i realize that. do we have one more or are we done we have one, one more one more okay. oh good lord leslie yes what about her She's a she's a doll. Well, there it is. <laughs> she's, a she's a doll. She's great. She I hired her and she worked in the student achievement center, um, and then kind of blossomed because she's slow, to, you know, and she blossomed and um, she's great. And you know, I'm, what can I say? I'm way too much in, in um, common with a 23 year old, but she's great. Very she's been, cool. She's yeah. been she's been great. She's it's been great to have her yeah. um, these last few years, right. um, and I think she's enjoyed actually finding her. You know her home at at um, yeah. downtown. 
as well, and also in the library too, and she loves doing stuff. And I'm and basically been working on mentoring that girl because what she really is though is obsessed with teeth, and she really wants to be. She's I mean she really wants I to be a dental hygienist. That. Yeah, I can't. And she's and she's going to be a dental assistant. So she'll do that dental assisting too because I that's finally I went cool. and said, Leslie, why aren't you going to do that too? Because that's a that that used to be a one year program. The dental assisting did what was here, but then they. Because of the way the, the accreditation, the way everything went, dental hygiene stayed two years. It's a two-year program, and it's a really big deal. But dental assisting became a one-semester one program. And so really, truthfully, a student can go and take one semester's worth of classwork or, if you will, tuition and everything and come out of that employable. A number of the Madison College students are, you'll meet in the dentist's office, I usually think. Very cool. So, but Leslie's great. All right. Moving on to our next segment okay. with Dana. And she's going to give us a goodbye DTEC. All right, so this next segment, um, this building has a very, very long history, um, especially for downtown Madison, because I just drove here and I didn't recognize half of it. Anyways, um, I just wanted to know if you could give us a little bit of uh, your perspective of this building, past, present, and future. You've been in these four walls for quite some time and just wanted to hear what you had to say about the building. And You can't put your stamp on this. This building has been here a long time. It's not going to ever be anybody's that's going to be new. Um, and everybody else always has. It has a footprint before that and also a history before that. So even though the, the high school is actually not this building, it's actually where the arch is, it's where the parking lot is, the high school has torn, been torn down. This is not the high school building, even though people always think it sometimes feels that way. Um, and I just know that from people that really know. you're a traveler um, and in the Madison College Libraries we have a lot of wonderful resources about traveling and planning a trip and so I'm going to plug um, searching our catalog uh, for uh, searching for books and films on travel and guidebooks maybe just browsing the 914s to the 917s Um, we've got canopy films and films on demand a lot of great stuff as a traveler um, would you, will you tell us a little bit about some of your favorite trips, whether they're real trips or trips in your imagination? <laughs> the trips you've taken and the trips that you're and, going and, to and take. And you want to take, right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes, well, it depends on sometimes whether I'm feeling energetic. Um, and my mother always used to say that, because um, when I was even in high school, I wanted to take, I thought I, something was wrong. I was born to people in Illinois, and I didn't like the cornfields, and I should have been genetically born to somebody in Montana because I wanted mountains, and right. what, was, what had gone wrong on the, on the seismic thing. So even back then, um, yeah, I wanted to travel. But um, I don't necessarily know if it was maybe my um, grandparents gave me the subscription to National Geographic, mm-hmm. but the traveler, the little one for kids you yeah. know, that you'd get, mm-hmm. the, the one that was the picture thing or whatever. So, but I never, but I'm, all, but I also have my mother's um, cautionary fears. So the idea that I'm going to strap on a backpack and go hike around um, Europe by myself, oh, so that's so not happening. <laughs> and so, as my mother would say, I have champagne t- taste on a beer budget, right. and so I sometimes <laughs> would like to go where I maybe a little taken care of. 
Um, and maybe, you know, not necessarily. I like to rough it too, ergo, the go walking on the Appalachian Trail, but that doesn't mean I won't want to come back to the really nice hotel, right. with the swimming pool, the spa, right. and stuff too, and the somebody making my meals potentially too. So, anyway, so, and when it comes to traveling, there's lots of places I would like to go. Um, I, but I'm also a big believer in traveling in your backyard. So, when Richard and I first moved to Wisconsin, we did many of our vacations, or even because we own a, um, a timeshare, we could travel, and so we would trade it off and we would we took a lot of vacations in Wisconsin so we went and stayed for a week in Michigan and we did that we've been up to Hamrick we've been all over so we did a lot of things in the state too because we had not we unlike a lot of Illinoisans we had not vacationed in Wisconsin so we came up here and we lived and we decided to and so we did the bike so I'm a big you know I love to do all the bike trails and so there's all that kind of fun stuff too but then um then it's nice to be able to do the bigger trips too. Now, when Richard was um, alive and was healthy, and of course we were still trying to go to school and do stuff, so you can, you know, it's balancing the money against the, and you guys even, the, those of you that have children, it's hard to do all of that. So we are always balancing saving as opposed to traveling. But we always traveled every year for sure. We always went to Vegas because we, after in the 80s, we, we had bought out there. So we had a week out there we could always spend or trade it away. But then every year, and we traded a number of places. Um, but every year, though, for a number of years, while Richard's health was good, so off and on, we'd have a number of years where we couldn't go, or we'd trade off and stuff, too. We traveled with the National Bowling Tournament, and so we went to wherever it was the National Bowling Tournament was every year, and we went 26 years. So every three years, for a number of years, every three years it was in Reno, but then other years it was everywhere. So we were in Lexington, Kentucky, we were in Memphis, we were in Jacksonville, Florida, we went to Baltimore, we've been to Syracuse, we've been all over the United States. At bowling, even Billings, Montana, we got to go to. It was so fun, um, a lot of fun. I have a lot. I was always the little bowling chick who was taking the pictures <laughs> of Richard Bowling and the team, and I was like the little mascot. So that was great. Um, sometimes you'd be like, "Oh gosh, I don't want to go back to Syracuse again." <laughs> right, but um, there were places we didn't always want to go. Huntsville, Alabama. Who knew, right? right? We loved, absolutely loved, when we got to go to Kansas. Who knew that we would love that? We had so right. much fun there. It was great July Fourth celebration, and they had fabulous parades. Was, Wichita, or yes, we went to Wichita. It was so great. Well, Boeing's there. They have these great dragon, you know, boat festival things. And it was the. I, the best um, fireworks display we'd ever yeah. seen. It was just unbelievable. Choreographed. It was just so fabulous. Who knew we would love Jacksonville? Um, so Memphis, we got to, we've been we've been everywhere. So and I've traveled internationally too. So I'm getting ready to do a bunch of them. Um, it, like Mark knows that basically I've talked to because first thing when I decided I was going to retire, first thing I said was okay. A trip had come across my because I've belonged to a couple of groups and. I'm heading off to Hawaii, so that'll be my first one. I'll be in Hawaii in February what, next year. Nice. So, when, so in the winter, nice. when when everybody's in uh, Wisconsin, I thought, well, how much better could this be? And we're going to go to San Francisco first, spend a few days there, and then we'll be make sure we get out. And we'll be in Hawaii, and then three days, and then Oahu, and then get on the cruise ship, and then we travel around to the four islands. So nice. uh, kind of the best of all of that. And then um, a one-off thingy, another chance I could have passed off. I wanted to go to Italy. That was high on my list, and my nice. colleague, Virginia had been she actually was raised and lived mostly in Italy she they sent her home to boarding school in England but her parents actually lived in Italy that's and so her Italian was her you know her second language and so she and I would always talk Italy because that's always where I wanted to go and so a particular opportunity came up to go on a very small group trip um, where we're actually going to be doing our own thing and we'll be traveling by train and kind of schlepping around and so I'll be flying into Venice in April of next year and then we're going to spend a few days three days up in Tuscany and then I'll go up to Rome for a few days and then I'll be back 
And then UW is actually, I've, we, Richard and I used to travel with them too. We went to the Spoleto Festival and to Philadelphia. We got to see the new, um, uh, when they did their new um, orchestra hall. In, in Philadelphia, we went with UW to do yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And we went to New York City with them too and went to the Met. That was so fabulous and so fun. Um, but anyway, but we hadn't done that for a number of years, go with UW. And, but I've always watched their trips, and even after Richard died. And then um, they're doing a, what they call their trilogy. So last year they did Ireland up really well. I knew that they were planning. And Scotland is the other big thing. My husband was Scottish. Mm-hmm. And so I've always wanted to go to Scotland, hence Outlander. Yeah, right. <laughs> so anyway, and so this is the year that UW is going to Scotland. So I am, And it's a big trip, and I knew that they were going to do it really up big. I mean, maybe like, I don't know, it's 15, 18 days. It's a long time anyway. Oh, wow. but, so in May I will be leaving to go to Scott next May I'll be leaving to, I know I'm doing them all next May I'll be going to Scotland until I think they're coming back June 5th and that'll be on a that'll be a more shrink-wrapped trip because mm-hmm. there's a it's a bigger group and we're going to be on a chartered flight you know so it's just direct and everything too as opposed to where I'm flying like Aer Lingus or something for into Venice and and then of course the Hawaii thing is completely different so each of the three of those will be very unusual or different kinds different, of trips yeah yeah but fun yeah. And, and unfortunately, then the other, I usually actually kind of go, after Richard died, I started traveling with Road Scholar because it's a really good way and a safe way for a single woman to travel. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, and, it, and also that, um, you know, you guys are librarians. We're basically in education and we're all about lifelong learning. That's, and it's nonprofit. That's exactly what Road Scholar is about is lifelong learning, education. This is not about let's go visit the gift shop. It's about <laughs> having people that teach you things. So I've gone to Mackinac Island with them. I've gone besides the Appalachian Trail. And I went to on Lance, you know, I went on a safari in Tanzania the oh, year yeah. after Richard died. I did that one too uh, to see, to awesome. kind of take a really big epic trip with yeah. them. Um, and but I so it's unusual that I, and I went to the Canadian Rockies this spring, so it's unusual for me not to go with Road Scholar somewhere. But I don't have anything planned yet next year. But then again, let's get real. But the one I want to go on is the Queen. I was telling Mark is Queen Mary. Oh, the me Queen too. Mary because they have the Queen yes. Mary trip. They had a big one they were going to go on. If I hadn't been committed to um, Hawaii, I might have taken up myself up on that one. But they routinely do a Queen Mary. It's a theater trip. It's a behind the scenes trip in London theater and. They start in New York. They have an expert um, producer. In fact, our theater, our film gentleman, so I've talked to Franklin about it. He's like, oh, he knew who Giles Ramsey is, so he's our expert. He stays on ship with you. He does lectures on theater, behind the scenes and all the different stuff. Then you you land in Southampton, you go down to London, then you see like three three different productions in London and stuff, so you kind of get the behind the scenes tale. So that one I've always, that one's definitely on my radar I want to do. But then they also offer another one at, you know, pull a different sailings, uh-huh. do the same thing. You leave from New York. This time you've now got literary experts because we're now doing British murder mysteries. And when you get oh. there, you go to all the little towns where all the different people oh, are get sure. killed off and you spend time <laughs> in Oxford. And so that one also, and then back down to London. And, nice. you know, even though I've been to Baker Square, because Richard and I went there, um, we'd moved here and we went with my people from my old library. Um, that town, they had organized a trip. So we went to England and did the whole English thing with them in 95. But basically, yeah, I'm definitely, that, those two are on my radar, but I, I have to go on the Queen Mary. Nice. The Queen Mary, you know, Q, QM2. Yes. Very cool. Yeah, very cool. All right. All right, enough travel. <laughs> right. Leave you, I'll send you that postcards. Yeah. Thanks. What can I tell you? Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so our next segment is Waiting in Westeros. Again, 
in George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series, we're starting our first in a seven-part series on a tour of each of the seven kingdoms of Westeros. Mm -hmm. Get your warm weather clothing and dust off your wineskin because today we'll be traveling to Dorne. Yay! If you Google a Westeros map, and there are many available on the internet, you can see Dorne at the most southerly eastern tip. It looks like somebody's foot. It does. Just like Italy looks like the boot of Europe, Dorne looks like the foot of Westeros. Dorne and Italy have a lot more in common, actually. The Red Mountains make up the north and western borders, and to the south we have the Summer Sea, and to the northeast, the Sea of Dorne. It's typically a dry, hot climate, and because of this, it's sparsely populated. Most of the Dornish live on the coast or along the banks of the Green Blood River near the toes of the foot. Most Dornish are adherents to the faith of the seven, but there are a few small folk who still worship M Mother Roine from the long-ago days of Nymeria and her 10,000 ships. Appearance-wise, the Dornish have olive skin, dark hair and eyes, and speak with a distinct accent known throughout the rest of Westeros. Although short of stature, it is known that they are fierce fighters. They're skilled with spears, daggers, whips, and other lightweight weapons, and are especially known for their mysterious, deadly poisons. Dorne was the last of the Seven Kingdoms to be brought into the realm. They weren't truly conquered, but rather it brought in peacefully with arranged marriages with the ruling family. Dorne is also different from the rest of Westeros in that the oldest child, regardless of sex, inherits property and titles. Also, they are the only kingdom to use the titles prince and princess. Another thing that sets Dorne apart from the rest of Westeros are their views on children born out of wedlock. Legitimate lines of succession are one of the major themes, so this brings a counter-argument to that discussion. Children born out of the bounds of marriage in this region are given the last name of Sand. Right. Dorne doesn't stigmatize illegitimate births as do the rest of the Seven Kingdoms, one of Dorne's princes has eight daughters by four or five different women. Sexual mores are different in Dorne. They don't have the same hang-ups as the other kingdoms. Those Dornish are pretty progressive. They sure are. Shall we move on to the food and drinks? Yes, I've just finished pouring the Dornish sour red. To Quentin. To poor Quentin. <laughs> so when I think of Dornish food, I think they have spicy or extra spicy and no mild. <laughs> right. What are some of the Danish uh, Dornish dishes? Well, today on the menu, one delicacy is grilled snake meat served with fiery snake sauce featuring mustard seeds, dragon peppers, and even a drop of snake venom. Mm. If that doesn't whet your appetite, how about the Dornish meal of flatbread? served with purple olives, cheese, dates, and chickpea paste, uh, which is basically hummus. Yeah. And for drinks, they have their sour reds and their sweet summer wines, but most notable is their Dornish strong wine. It is known to be as dark as blood and as sweet as vengeance. It is known. As far as places of interest, there is Sunspear, the largest city in Dorne, and home to House Martell, the current ruling family. Also in Dorne, you will find the Water Gardens, which sound lovely to visit. Mm -hmm. Starfall in the far west is home of House Dane, and Lemonwood in the far east is where the famous lemons come from to make the much-beloved lemon cakes. Yum. Kelly, who are playing the long game? How about you? I have a soft spot for Ashara Dane. Mm -hmm. Her story is really sad and mysterious, if it's to be believed. And I also really like Gerald Drinkwater, mm -hmm. um, one of Quentin's pals. Okay, so 
Does that cover all the important bits of Dorn? Yeah, I think so. Um, I hope to see more of Dorn in Tewow. Tewow? The Winds of Winter. Oh. I heard a podcaster use that term, and I like it, so I'll be using it from now on. Okay. Speaking of others talking about A Song of Ice and Fire, we wanted to give credit where credit is due. Most of our information comes from what we remember from our numerous readings. However, when our memories fail us, we consult a wiki of ice and fire. Google it. If you haven't read the books and don't want to be spoiled, don't go there yet, because spoilers aplenty. Yes, I made that mistake. I would also like to recommend my favorite two podcasts on A Song of Ice and Fire, Radio Westeros and History of Westeros. Next time we will travel north to the Reach, the birthplace of Westerosi chivalry. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Waiting, Waiting in Westeros. Westeros. So now it's time for Trivial Observations with Mark. All aboard! Okay, and as <laughs> always, we try to stick with the theme of um, the podcast. So today's trivia is around-the-world travel trivia. <laughs> and uh, there are 12 questions, and there is a direction to the questions. All so right. keep that in mind. Okay, first question. This bridge in this city is believed to be the only one in the world where a boat can sail under a train going under a vehicle driving under an airplane. Oh my gosh. Say that again? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> a bridge. A bridge in this city is to, believed to be the only one in the world where a boat can sail under a train going under a vehicle driving under an airplane all at the same time. Wow. So water, train, road, air. Right. Going down. Um, I'll give you a clue that um, many of these places Deb has been to, not ah. not all on this list, but uh, this is actually one place I believe you've been. Am I supposed to know this? <laughs> no, <laughs> no Mark's, oh. Mark just stumps us on all the. Oh trivia. no, I, he's told he's given me some of the trivia's before, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he did, he did he did the last one for Leslie and I. I think we did maybe half of them. Um, boy, I don't know. It does seem like I do know where I, that I've I've seen where this the train and the car thingy. Can you give it, us a, a which continent? It, it, it is in the United States. Oh, it is in the United States. Okay, and uh, head east from here. Start Baltimore. Uh, that's a great guess. It is not Baltimore. Chicago. Head north from Baltimore. Chicago. Uh, no. Oh, New York. No. Whatever. I head north from New York. From Baltimore. How about Niagara Falls, Syracuse? Um, I've been to Niagara Falls. <laughs> Just, all right. That's water. <laughs> no, I'm not. Who cares about that? All right, should that? I give you the sure. answer? Um, yes. It's Boston. The oh, Boston sure. University. I was just at Boston. He knows that was the last trip right. I took with oh, Richard. Yes. Oh, and you know what? One. That's really funny because I think I actually, well. What's the so bridge? I was it's the, the, by Boston University. Um, so I, it's the Charles River. And okay. So you can I literally. Think I even took a picture of the train going over that bridge. Yeah, because of the way that Logan comes over, there sure. can be a situation where the boat yeah. is going under the train going by, cars going by, that's and awesome. then the airplane. Yes, the I remember. So, yes. And, and I told him that was the last trip Richard and I took before. Yeah. One of the last trips Richard and I took when we went to. All right. Okay. 
Um, this bay, straddling the provinces of New Brunswick and Nova Scotia, is home to the largest tides in the world, well over 50 feet at spots. I know what this is. Yeah, yeah. Please? Well, it should be Fundy. It yeah. is the Bay of Fundy. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Great. Because <laughs> he knows that's where I want to go. That's one of the places I want to I want to see all, I want to go to all the provinces again. But, yeah. Yeah, the places. But that's one of the big ones, and Rhodes Color has fabulous trips to the Bay of Fundy. All right. The next one I'm not sure is on Deb's list, but I thought it was an interesting question. The English word geyser comes from the name of a great geyser in this country. The British mm. borrowed the term from um, this country. From another country. For, well, and what's the, it was based, the term was and, for geyser, or geyser actually it was, is it, the term. Yes, the term is, the, the name that they borrowed from this particular country was spelled G-E-Y-S-I-R. I'll, I'll guess India? Iceland. Iceland. Uh, yep. Okay. In southern Iceland, and it's, it's supposed to be, but yeah, that's where the British borrow. Oh, that's definitely on my list because I want to do the Northern Lights. All right. <laughs> Very good. You have a long list. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I'm going to go hear my travel group. They're actually the lady that travels Iceland. She's talking on it next Monday if you want nice. to come. Wow. It's 7 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a place cool. I'd like to go to. Yes. The official national animal of this country is the unicorn. <laughs> oh, that's got to awesome. be kidding. The official national, and this is uh, this. Uh, you can think Deb again. Uh, travel plans, and also think direction. Remember what direction we're heading with answers. Um, wow. Were you saying clockwise? I don't remember the direction Northeast. part. I don't remember the direction clue. Part part of uh, the reason that the country chose this as a national animal uh, when I read about it. Um, besides the fact that unicorns are cool, is um, <laughs> unicorns are supposedly the natural enemy of a lion. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. So. France? Who, who might. Okay, who <laughs> well, might, I would have said who, Tanzania then, but okay. Who, <laughs> who might want to be against has not him? had the most comfortable relationship with lions. With, uh, with, with lions, yeah. With. Um, and don't, think, don't think don't think Africa think lions is a symbol of a country. Yeah, like the right. three lions, lions in three lions. Yeah. yeah. So Germany. No, um, but that's no, they've got to be falcons. You, you guys are going to so Scotland. Scotland. I was going to say it must oh, be Scotland yeah. because then I was going to say Scotland because it's all kind of leprechaun fairy kind of place. Yeah, that's yeah. A, but yeah. Yeah, that's good too. Yeah, but they are the three kings. The three lion thingies. Yes. Yeah. Okay, but what was the direction thing? I don't get that. Well, what was that symbolic? I, we're, we're heading. We're heading, are we heading we're east. We're heading east. For sure. We're heading east. We okay, good. East, so good. Could we remember, end up in Hong Kong? Because I didn't mention remember that. Remember your really answers and keep thinking. <laughs> and China. I want to go to the big, the very long. Heading east. Yeah. <laughs> if you would like to go for a bike ride in this city, all you have to do is take a quick swim to grab one of the estimated ten to fifteen thousand bikes a year that end up underwater. Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Nice. <laughs> um, I apologize if I mispronounce this. The Olduvai Gorge, O-L-D-U-V-A-I Gorge, in this country has the earliest evidence of mankind found by archaeologists and has been nicknamed the Cradle of Mankind. Wow. Can you spell that for us? It's Old Pie Gorge, but yeah. It's, okay, it's, thank you. There. It's in Tanzania. Oh, thank you very much. Wow. Very nice. And, thanks for and that is actually where they went like 
upright. That's where they have the evidence that they okay. were, they stood upright. All right. I, I knew I was going to blow that pronunciation. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this country is home to the largest amount of UNESCO World Heritage Sites at 47. God, I don't a know. More, more than 10 more Italy? than the next. It is Italy. Yeah. I, I had no idea that, uh, yeah. That it has that many? Well, they just yeah. have so many, the Roman ruins and, yeah. Well, sometimes heritage sites can be really interestingly, you know, you're kind of like, oh, really? That's a heritage <laughs> really? site. Oh, really? That's a heritage site, yeah. Alfred Hitchcock, the movie director, was actually a fan of sunsets. He loved a good <laughs> sunset. Of all the sunsets he saw in his life, the one in this city was the one that he said was the best in the world. Mm. Remember, you need to head east. Gosh. Wow. Um, and it's not Venice? So we're east uh, sighting? Well, you who know, cares whether we're east or not? I would still getting, say Venice. You're getting very close, I'll say, by saying Okay, Venice. so Florence? I don't think Italy okay. at this point. Okay, uh, But it. you are very, very close. So it's east of Italy. Yes. So it's going to be over water. Slightly over water. because of this, yeah, sunsets in the west. Think, think so of it's Italy sunset over. and uh, just across. Croatia. It is Croatia. <laughs> okay. uh, the, nice. the city, it's on a Dalmatian um, coast. Zadar, Z A D A R. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, Alfred Hitchcock said it was the best. Yeah. Uh, ever it's a good saw. enough reason to go there. Right. I was just going to say, now we can have another list to look up best sunsets, and yeah. I need to go catch them. Exactly. Yeah. All right, a few more here. If you want to see penguins, this country is home to the most species of penguins in the world. And think country. I'm going to go with South Africa. That's a great guess. That's an awesome <laughs> guess, but it's not. It is not it. But it's not it. <laughs> so points for being wrong. Yeah, right. So it's, and it's not Iceland. Uh, how about Argentina? It, it is not Iceland. Remember, we're heading we're Oh, heading we're heading east. east. That's right. Yeah. India. Um, India is actually a pretty, pretty decent <laughs> guess, but it's not. You I like how he let you down easy. You, yeah, you want to head nice. east yet from you want to east head from India, east from India and south. Penguins. Uh, and I want to say uh, the other mark is the uh, well, the first mark is the expert at geography here. But I want to say so that's correct. It's not it's Australia. East and. It's not Australia, but you're very New Zealand. Close. New Zealand. It's, it's got to be because that's oh another place he knows it's yeah. on my list. Yeah, yeah. New Zealand, Australia. Uh, Absolutely, I want to go spend two months there. The most yes. variety. And variety. Well, don't you forget, it doesn't it, have to be Arctic. Right. Right, and it had to be a country was the answer, sure. so, which is why Antarctica was not. Sure. Yeah, that's the continent. But that's I totally work. don't associate penguins in New Zealand. No, well, they have multiple yeah, islands, awesome. so yeah, that's why. And they don't have to be. They have a lot on the rocks, like. You know, penguin yeah, yeah. live on the rocks, kind of things. So not necessarily out in the snow. All right. Very cool. So you stumped us. Is this that the last? Yeah. Sadly, more. no. You have. To <laughs> There's lots of places in the world. <laughs> There's lots of places in the world. Yes. If uh, if measured from the sea floor, the mountain in this state is actually four thousand feet higher than Mount Everest. And think mm. uh, depths, uh, vacation plans. Although, perhaps not exactly. At this spot, but uh, so if it's it's it yeah. measured from the sea floor. Measured from the sea floor, the mountain in this state is actually four thousand feet higher than Mount. And it's not Alaska. Uh, it is not Alaska. Um, 
Are there mountains in Hawaii? I mean, they are. Okay. Yes, there are. And what they're called. The the big island, Mauna Loa, is actually 13,000 feet above sea level. But its base... um, Is so deep. Right. Yes. Wow. Yes, because you're right, because we are going to go up. We're going to go up to see sunset. All right. Excellent. One's your choice of hotel rooms. It would take a person close to 300 years to spend a night in every hotel room in this city. East of Hawaii. Uh, not San Francisco. Um, San Diego, L.A. It's got to be Cal. Somebody well, think where do you often go? Oh, Vegas. Oh, Vegas. Vegas. oh yes, I should have known because they have <laughs> nine of the ten largest hotels in the world there. Oh, yeah. really? That's wow. why. Oh, my God, yes. Okay. All right. And the final question, um, if you need to stop for a rest, the world's largest truck stop is located here. It, isn't it in Texas? It is not Texas. I was going to I hope someplace <laughs> in Nebraska. Uh, you are very close with Nebraska. Very in close. Ne- ne- Nebraska would make a lot of sense. Iowa? It is Iowa. I was going to say, no, no, it's oh, not. Oh, it, you just have not driven enough on 80. Yeah, I was going to say, you just have not driven on I-80 enough to not know that it would, Converse has to be there. That's just nothing about truck lane. I, I think, I'm an Iowa and I didn't know, but that's awesome. It's in between um, Iowa City and the Quad Cities. Oh, sure. Um, then I've so probably driven oh, you, by I've it, driven through by it. it. Yeah. Yes. All right. It just didn't yeah. register. All right. To wrap up the segment, uh, just wrap it up real quickly. The trivial observation, instead of coming from me, um, I'll give it to Mark Twain. And it's a quote I've always liked. Uh, Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. Mm. So, yes. That's Great quote. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're done. We are done. <laughs> right. I'm so, sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was really enjoying traveling was, the world. Yeah, right? It's <laughs> um, really nice. Yeah. So our next segment is our Anything Goes recommendations. And uh, we'll start with Dana. All right, my recommendation for today is if you are a book reader and haven't before tried an ebook, that's what I'm going to recommend. Um, ebooks are basically the same. I, when I'm reading my ebook, I don't notice the format. I just see the words and the pictures still appear in my head, just like always. But um, not only ebooks, but also the uh, OverDrive database that you can get um, free ebooks from to borrow and read on your readers. Um, I think it's great. I just got uh, Dave Eggers' book, The Circle, on my ebook from Overdrive, my ebook reader, and I haven't started it yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. So. All right. So I'm next, and I'm going to recommend a podcast that I just discovered yesterday. Um, it's called Extra Credit, and Neil Pollock, who I've heard the name, I just haven't read anything by him. Has anybody? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a, a novelist, short story writer, and a journalist. And his podcast is his, uh, he lives in Texas, and in Austin, Texas, and he has a 14-year-old son, and he feels that he's not getting the, the proper education. And I can relate, because I went through the Texas public schools. Mm-hmm. And um, he feels like he's, uh, his son isn't getting, um, the, the, the schools aren't teaching uh, the certain topics and they're really underplaying topics like Native American history, slavery, the theory of evolution, feminism, and and other things. And so his first the first episode I listened to was um, his, he him and his son uh, take a trip to a makerspace and learn how to use power tools and a sewing machine. And it's very funny. Um, 
they're very cute. What I guess what makes it so much fun is, um, you know, they're recording the podcast, uh, you know, going places, and then he narrates. He has this, you know, over voice, and he narrates um, what they do. And his son is is very very sweet. And there's um, there's a lot of like father son ribbing. And um, yeah. my favorite episode though is called Family Poker Night, and it is hilarious. And um, and the reason he wanted to teach his son to play poker was he had a terrible experience in college, and he didn't want him to go through that. So he wanted to be, for him to be a decent poker player. Right. And, um, and anyway, it's it's really funny. And there's uh, the one about the maker space. There's one they go do yoga together. Um, uh, and there's one. There's a serious one where they go to um, a Native American uh, community college on a reservation, and. Um, uh, anyway, I, I totally binged season two. I didn't know there was a season one, so I'm going to go back and listen to season one, and it's it's delightful. It's very funny. Cool. How old's the little boy, the son? He's 14. So, and he, and he in, the, just, in season two. Yes, and he describes his son as being someone that he hates to go outside. He just watches video or plays video games. He's pretty sarcastic, but he's always up for anything. So, um, nice. yeah. So, but uh, I mean, you could tell they have a great relationship. That it's, um, you know, it's father son. Um, anyway, extra credit. give it a try. Yeah, extra okay. credit. Cool. All right, and next, uh, Mark. And uh, for me this week, uh, given the theme, uh, I'd just like to recommend um, any travel book by Bill Bryson. Sure. I, Bill Bryson, I know it doesn't do it for everybody, but I think even if you don't generally like his writing style as a whole, you can still get um, some great bits from his different books. So, sure. Yeah. You'll definitely want to go to Australia. Yeah. Uh, you definitely won't want to go out and favorite. not yeah. walk the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. yeah, so. With junk food yes, in your exactly. backpack. Yeah. Too fun. All right. Very cool. Um, my recommendation is actually a recycled or regurgitated. Recycled sounds better than regurgitated. Let's go with recycled. <laughs> That's true, it does. Recommendation that you gave me about this book series. I think it's the Wheel of Time series, mm-hmm. Robert Jordan. Yeah. So oh, I went through that first book. And to plug into Dana's recommendation, I never buy books for my Kindle. I borrow them from Overdrive or I'll try free chapters or whatever. But I actually bought the second book to the series for my Kindle, just because I didn't want to wait for a public library to have a copy available to me, because um, I'm really frugal with books in general. So um, I like it that much. I'm reading, well, I'm reading the book, too, so and, uh, a few pages ahead. You know, and, and one of my things about fantasy is that people just don't seem to recognize, some people don't seem to recognize just how much imagination and, and research and like spiritual exploration has to go into building a world like that and I think this is a great series for seeing just all of those things and how an artist a writer has to go through such a creative process to come up with a whole like belief system and population dynamic and magical systems oh it's yeah it's amazing I love fantasy and and I love this series. So, Wheel of Time? Wheel of... Yep. yep. Uh, the, the Wheel of Time series. The Wheel of Time series. And the second one is called The, the Great, Great Hunt. Hunt. Yes. So. So, let me let me just ask a question here. So, are you telling me that this was the very first book you've ever bought in an ebook format? Uh, <laughs> that no. you actually spent real money on? Because actually, that was a big, really big deal. I kind of really marked that as a librarian. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm actually spending... I'm actually buying a book in this right. format now. Um 
besides the idea of reading right. it, I'm actually spending money and I don't have it in hardcover. Yeah. No, the first time I ever did it, this would be the third one. Two books by like established Buddhist like writers, like a Thich Nhat Hanh and mm-hmm. a Jack Cornfield, I think. Where the only other times where I was like, okay, I'm going to buy this, and it has everything to do with my spiritual evolution. You know, so I could kind of go, <laughs> money well spent. This is the first right, time right. it was kind of one of these, like, purchases where it's really just entertainment. Right. I was like, okay, I'm willing to spend $9 to follow this path a little bit more. Right. So, yeah, yeah, pretty close. Good purchase. Yeah. I, I'm with it. All right, and Deb, how about you? Do you have a recommendation for us? For anything goes? Well, actually, I'd like to piggyback on Dana's because if sticking with the theme of travel, because she talked about it just from the standpoint of being on her Kindle, but truthfully, as a librarian, you know, everybody's all like, take the book. But if you're going to travel, you don't really want to take a whole lot of technology. But when I went to Africa, and that was back with the early Kindles, which weighed a lot more, but even then, we weren't going to have Wi-Fi. We weren't going to have anything. I could put my the guide, my 254-page guide to my camera on that Kindle. I put 10 other books that I, you know, I didn't really actually always have a whole lot of extra time to read, but if you did want to, you could take it. And so it's essential to me, so I always go onto Overdrive and take what I call like some frivolous downtime books, and or maybe even a particularly a travel book, um, and make recommendations. So I really highly recommend. Um, And also, true now, since they're ubiquitous, it's not just the ebooks too, but I also make sure whether it's on the flight, I might have a couple of movies, I have my television shows downloaded, I have this or that. I also do my yoga routine. I actually video, I, I um, audio captured the video, or you know, I have a, I normally do it on a video, so I have the audio of that, so I can do that on the road too. Um, but the ebooks are crucial, so, and I always do that when it comes to travel. That's a great way to wrap it up. All right. All right, so that wraps it up for today. And we would like to thank Deb for being our guest. And we wish you all the luck in this next chapter in your life. And please don't be a stranger. Hope you come back and I'm going to audit. We didn't talk about what else I was going to do. I've already threatened some faculty with coming back to audit some other classes. Some of them were thrilled and others looked horrible. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. This has been a production of Madison College Library's Creator Studio. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.